Hey everybody, another day, another dollar here in post-pandemic America. And as we close out the month of February here on the podcast, just sort of thank all you guys for buying the book here, showing it on the live stream, holding it up for people watching on TikTok. Uh, greatly appreciate it. We've been number one in its category uh, off and on since it came out earlier this month. So I've never had an ebook do that well before, where every time pretty much that we check the page, it says number one. And again, it's it's dropped off the charts for a few days, but it's back up there as of as of earlier today, it is back up there. So to see that many people downloading it and buying it on Amazon just makes me feel good because it means that we're not forgotten at all. Although we're putting out a different, very different content from, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro and Charlie Kirk and uh, Tim Fed, or sorry, uh, Tim Pool. I call him Tim Fed because it seems like he's a Fed. We could go into this if, if somebody wants to ask me questions about it. But, uh, you know, the, the live streamer with the beanie hat, he always gets controversial guests. Never banned. This was allowed to grow on YouTube through the most controversial years when all of his peers were uh, silenced. And uh, he seems like he's DHS or FBI, but I can't say that with certainty because I don't know him. But I know some things about him that go way back. So many years ago, this was actually, wow, this was a decade ago. This is like 2012, so a long time ago. Uh, I was visiting L.A. from time to time to do Rogan's podcast and some stuff with, uh, I believe, Huffington Post at the time. Uh, again, this was 10 years ago. So I was flying out to L.A. from time to time. And in the midst of this, I became friends with Amber Lyon, who is a former uh, CNN reporter who's done a lot of important stuff against the deep state and whatnot. And uh, she was trying to launch a news company. She wanted to launch a news site for independent journalists. And she was doing the initial legwork out of her apartment or condo uh, by the beach in California. I think uh, Santa Monica area. So she was doing the initial legwork and meeting with investors and stuff and taking phone calls. And Tim Fed, or Tim Poole, he had somehow... Uh, become friendly with her because he was on some of the same shows uh, that we were on. Uh, he had become friendly with her and it actually moved in and it wasn't a romantic thing. He just said, you know, he convinced her that he needed a place to stay, which is weird because it seems like a working journalist who could afford, you know, even back then he could afford like the best cameras would fly out whenever anything was happening. It seemed like he had resources, right? So it's just a little dubious that he needs to stay with some reporter. Uh, and when he was her guest, there were just indications that he wasn't what he claimed to be. Like in the middle of a business meeting that Amber would take, he would just freak out on the prospective investor. He would freak out and start to point out problems that weren't even there would start to point out all these potential issues that were, you know, turnoffs and would be like, no deal, no deal, you know, just like freak out. And then Amber would be like, yo, what the fuck? You know, like you just cost us a potential, potential investor or lead or whatever. And he did this repeatedly, apparently. This was her claim. I didn't see this in person. 
He did this repeatedly, and her startup or her news startup got nowhere, and she was starting to get really frustrated, and I understand eventually threw him out. And there were other weird things, like he would leave her bathroom so dirty, so dirty after using the shower, like he would leave mud and sticks in the shower tub. And she explained this to me, and even at the time, 10 years ago, I said, that sounds like some kind of psyop. I said, I would, I would, you know, obviously throw this guy out of your apartment. It sounds like he's trying to slow down your life, basically. You can't even take a fucking shower in your own place. That's not healthy. So she finally agreed and threw him out. And that's the backstory on Tim Fed. And then again, you get this 10 years of growth, never banned from any of the big platforms, which I find extraordinary considering how many like pro-Trump people he's had on and people on the fringes, you know. And yet the guy has no personality. Where's that little beanie? Someone, someone 10 years ago told him, hey, this will make you fit in. It's like he looks and sounds like a Fed, right? And again, I can't say this with certainty because I haven't seen like a contract or a piece of paper that confirms this. And I don't know him personally at all. It's just bizarre. Who else who covers these topics has been so untouched by censorship, completely unaffected. Uh, even guys like Charlie Kirk have dealt with censorship. As much as I dislike Charlie Kirk, it came out in the Twitter files that the feds were targeting him and put a, quote, DNA on his account. Do not amplify. They had this do not amplify tag at Twitter, where basically when one of his tweets would go out, it would be suppressed to where it would only be seen by like 15% of the normal, the normal number of people. So the casino was rigged against him. Old Twitter was rigged against Charlie Kirk. And you'll find no such, no such revelations about Tim Pool. Because again, it seems like his whole media career has just been everybody leaving him alone. And then he, he started claiming that he was getting swatted all the time, which is also bizarre. That he was just getting constantly swatted when people call in, you know, police call while you're live streaming. And so that's happening to him constantly, but not to like Joe Rogan, not to people 100 times bigger than Tim Pool, right? People doing live streams for hours uh, and they don't get swatted. And who, who is it claiming that he's being swatted? Well, it's law enforcement. It's literally feds at DHS and the FBI saying that Tim Pool is being swatted. Now, is that possibly true? Sure. But is it also possibly a cover so people feel like this guy's a badass when really like of the live streamers that would offend offend whoever, he's not that offensive. He's a little beanie. It's like he's always just collecting information. And so knowing what we know now about how the, the feds have infiltrated social media, why wouldn't they have some personalities that they just keep out there, you know, to keep tabs on stuff? Uh, just my theory, again, I don't have any proof of this, but when you piece it all together, little suspect to be sure. And uh, happy to take other, other topics. John says UFOs are real personal experiences. I trust you on Trump. You know more about Trump than me. Oh, I appreciate that, John. Uh, yeah, so I was saying before the live stream started, it's not that I dislike people who are still Trump supporters. I don't dislike you for wanting the country to be strong again. I just think you're not seeing the full picture. And nobody has the full picture other than Trump. 
right? You can't crawl into his mind and see what his intentions are. But from my year and a half living in D.C., like I was saying, uh, I learned that I was behind enemy lines. Here I thought that we were in the, you know, we were finally in the clear. We could use our free speech to out these treacherous families in Virginia who were tied, you know, tied up in child trafficking and occult rituals and stuff. I thought we were free to finally, you know, air this stuff. And it turns out we weren't at all. <laughs> I mean, Podesta's office was pretty much right down the street from where I was living. And now he's back in the White House. He's a White House advisor. Trump never went after him. He never went after the Rothschild family who he's close with through Wilbur Ross through his friend Wilbur Ross. And he never did the job. And meanwhile, schmucks like me like were again behind enemy lines, poking, poking our finger in, in very, you know, very angry creatures' eyes, basically, poking our finger in these deep state families' eyes. And they didn't appreciate it. And here Trump acted like he was gonna take them down. He didn't even begin. And now his his approach is apparently trying to suck up to all these establishment people in the hopes that they'll give him another chance. And that turns me off even more, right? If, he, if his whole message right now is like, look, I tried to bring down the deep state and I got fucked and I had no idea they owned so many people. If that's what he was saying, I'd be like, all right, that's, you know, we'll, we'll consider, consider giving you another chance. But instead, it's been two years of him going against seemingly every single value I care about. Weird speeches about how crypto should be outlawed. That again, it seems like he's trying to suck up to establishment banks and stuff. So he'll get the resources that he needs to run again. And that to me is just garbage. I can't get behind that. And it's not just his views on crypto. It's again, everything. He's not a populist. To vote for Trump in 2024 is like voting for Jeb Bush or something against weed, against crypto. Just the regime status who does what the families in Virginia tell him to do. And uh, so we can do better. And the way he talks down to DeSantis, I don't appreciate at all. Talks to him like he's a little child. It's like he's the governor of the state you live in, you orange clown. He's the governor of the state. He's more powerful than you are at the moment. Shows a lack of humility, right? DeSantis could literally have Trump locked up on like a mental health check if he wanted to. He could have him arrested. He's governor. And meanwhile, he talks down to him like he's a little child. I don't like that at all. Again, the last two years, I'm seeing Trump out of power. We've seen it hasn't been good for his mental health. It's been this kind of King Lear derangement. And I don't want that in a position of power. All the bad things you could say about Joe Biden... Uh, Joe Biden's been out of power for plenty of time. After Obama, he was no longer vice president. He had no meltdown. He didn't demand people's attention constantly. He's still more or less the same Joe Biden. And again, I don't like Joe Biden. I'm just saying there's a difference between this, this like childish ego and a normal person Trump's age. You know, a normal statesman who can handle being out of power and can make the most of it. So those are my views on Trumpy. We've got this thing taking off now, ETHgate. I don't even know what this is. Just trending on Twitter. So I thought we would talk about it. And uh, apparently the, the top, top tweet about this 
is someone saying Congress as of right now, Congress as of right now are conducting a full assault on all of crypto except Ethereum and Bitcoin. Oh, I see what this is. So this this ETH gate is some kind of attempt. Basically, Bitcoiners are attacking Ethereum and saying it shouldn't be considered a proof of work currency since it's not proof of work. Okay, so that's that's nothing new. That's been their argument for a while. And it's part of why I'm diversified. I don't just own Ether. I own Bitcoin, I own Litecoin. I actually consider Ether to be my least favorite of the cryptos I hold. A proof of stake transition, uh, I don't think is good for the average public, the, the average person. I think having a handful of elites who create Ether out of thin air by staking it, kind of like earning interest, while the rest of us can't even mine it, can't even mine it like a normal person can mine Bitcoin or Litecoin. I think that becomes intrinsically elitist over time. And then you look at the Ethereum team and they're just a bunch of weird globalists taking personal loans from JP Morgan Chase, uh, I believe in one of the consensus founders. In the case of one of the founders of consensus, taking out these large loans from JP Morgan Chase in exchange for them owning solid percentages of some of these Ether startups that basically run the ecosystem, right? Basically some of the core infrastructure in Ethereum is owned in part by JP Morgan Chase because these guys, for whatever reason, need money constantly. I don't understand their values. Right? All these stories about Vitalik Buterin living out of a duffel bag and just loves to code. Not anymore. At least his business partner, you know, Joseph Lupin. Why does this guy need so much fucking money? So much fiat? It doesn't seem like they're true crypto people. They're just the establishment now. And again, weird globalist values don't seem to care about free speech or censorship resistance at all, which were two of the things everybody cared about in crypto way back when. So they've gotten too big for their britches. And had they stayed a proof of work currency, I think they would have avoided a lot of the questions headed their way. But now that it's proof of stake, again, where people with a large enough balance could just mint new ether while everybody else is stuck, you know, with no mining ability, that to me is not the step, you know, not the right step forward. So again, my least favorite of the cryptos I hold. But at least now we know what ETHgate is. It's just some BS that Ether critics are trying to spin up. And uh, let's see, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, the UFO thing. So weirdly, it's come out that China and Russia have admitted they're continuing to see UFOs and to shoot them down. So the media has just moved on from this story. And yet, to me, it seems really suspect that the other two superpowers are admitting that they're having issues with this at the moment, and they're just blowing these things out of the sky. Maybe that's not a great idea. This is how science fiction movies start. Maybe blowing these things out of the sky when you can't even tell us what they are and when the U.S. is failing to outlaw or failing to outrule, I saw a headline, U.S. authorities fail to rule out uh, aliens as cause of these UFOs. Well, if it might be aliens, all the more reason to not shoot them out of the sky. Is that the treatment that we would, we would expect? You know, if we ended up on some planet that was far away 
Would we expect to be blown out of the sky without even having a conversation? It seems a little problematic. And it seems like such an unanswered question. Like, what are these things? Are they drones from another country? What, what is going on here? And then the other weird story, we have uh, NOAA and the Space Weather Prediction Center warning about region 3234 of the sun. It says region 3234 has grown in size and developed a mixed magnetic polarity. And it says M-class flare activity probability has increased to likely for 23rd of February to 26th of February. So basically for the next two days, we're in this window where uh, solar flares can hit the earth from this new sunspot, region 3234. Not a guarantee, but that's what they've predicted. So again, a number of big stories for people to keep an eye on headed into the weekend. And greatly appreciate all the people who downloaded the book, as I was saying at the beginning. Uh, great to see that we have such a cohesive audience. And be sure to get it if you haven't yet. I'll put a link in the description. You can download it instantly on Amazon Kindle, or you can also buy it as a paperback. And uh, with a book like this, the longer you wait to buy it, the less valuable it is, in my opinion. Right? Because we're in the book, we're talking about current events and analyzing stuff and providing our research on things that are in the news now and things that were in the news recently and our views on crypto and stuff. And obviously the further out you move through time, the less fresh that analysis is. So get in there everybody and leave a review if you've already read it, greatly appreciated. Uh, somebody mentioning a presidential candidate. Yeah, a lot of these candidates I've never heard of before. And I don't think the no names are gonna go that far. You know, we're only, we're only a year away from 2024. I don't think these no names are gonna be able to build the audience and the support. I think it's gonna be somebody that people already know, like Ron DeSantis maybe, hopefully not Trump, for the reasons I laid out, hopefully not Trump. Because what'll happen if he's the nominee is that the Democrat candidate will win. There are too many people who will vote against Trump just because he's Trump. He's, he's damaged goods. If you're grateful for his four years in the White House, you can relive that and reminisce. But he has damaged goods from a political standpoint. And there are way better people. Uh, I can't stand Ted Cruz. And Ted Cruz would be a better president than Trump. More coherent. He'd be less divisive. He is an attorney. So he's got, you know, a strong mind when it comes to legal stuff. Again, I picked a person randomly that I don't like, Ted Cruz. I'd be more comfortable with him as president than Trumpy. And of course, DeSantis, excellent. These people who look down at DeSantis, he's governor of a major state <clears throat> and has handled the uh, controversies that were thrown his way. Handled that stuff quite well. We get to see what he's about in terms of his personality. And seems more like a statesman. Seems like he can handle the job. But there are many people like that. So uh, those are my views on, on all this stuff heading into next year. The media will be the same to DeSantis too, somebody says. Maybe so. <clears throat> Maybe the media will be unfair to DeSantis. But at least people like me won't feel bad supporting him. right? I won't feel like dishonest. Where is Trump? 
there, I won't say his name, but there's a conservative pundit I really like on Twitter. And he writes for a magazine that he uh, publishes, or he's one of the publishers of. So very nuanced views on American conservatism and stuff. And the one thing I can't stand about this guy is he has to circle back and like defend the Trump camp constantly. You know, it's like the one, his, it's his Achilles heel. This is a guy around my age, very sharp, just has the gift of rhetoric. You know, he could be like a young Newt Gingrich or something and has this vision for a more conservative America. And yet he keeps getting hung up on trying to defend Trump. Let him go, you know, cut, cut this balloon loose. Speaking of spy balloons and UFOs, time to cut the Trump balloon loose. Again, if you're grateful for those four years, you can see him as kind of a disruptor. You can see him in a positive light if you're a fan of Trump. He's not what the world is asking for right now. And if you're pushing Trump, it means you're not reading the room at all. And for you RNC people out there and you conservatives, if you're thinking Trump, you're not actually looking at what people like me are saying. What I'm saying now is the total opposite from what I was saying in like 2015. When I was saying Trump could totally win, these people in the media are discounting his popularity. He could totally win, and then he did. Now I'm saying the opposite. He's a flawed candidate, and if he is the pick, it just guarantees. It's, it's a kind of Republican suicide pill if they pick Trump, because then whoever the moderate Democrat is will be your next president. Um, and somebody says they liked the help that he brought to Ohio. See, to me, that, that was another Trump stunt. He flies into Ohio after the EPA chief arrived, after the EPA guy and the governor already came in to East Palestine and drank the little, you know, thimble of water. Uh, looks like our live stream just cut out. TikTok doesn't like the conversational line we're on right now. Uh-oh. So, uh... The EPA chief and the governor fly into Ohio and they do the press conference and the photo op drinking the water out of some lady's sink to show that the tap water is not contaminated. And then Trump flies in. Once the coast is clear, Trump flies in. And is it just the selfless statement from a former president to draw, you know, draw attention to this natural disaster or not even natural because it was a train derailment, this disaster? Uh, no, it's, it's self-serving, weird Trump used car salesman stuff, promoting his bottled water. It's like, come on already. The guy's so tedious. It's not what, again, if you're pushing Trump, you're not reading the room. Mr. Father of the vaccine. That's the other thing. Too many people resent Trump for pushing the vax. He's not, uh, he's not a populist. Say what you will about the guy. He's big government. Wants to put a vaccine in your body. The guy's big government. But uh, thank you again for all the reads of the book, and you'll hear from us next week. You're listening to Fulcrum News, real news from America and around the world. Fulcrumnews.com slash subscribe to get our premium membership and updates via email.